Hello everybody, FPL teacher here. Especially excited to finally review my own team, Wolves, who, as usual, come up with fantastic performances at the start of the season, but coming up short, especially in the finishing area. Admittedly, we've had some bad luck, but as it stands, the ownership in FPL stands at Jose Sa, 5%, Pedro Neto, 5%, everyone else, nothing. So, this episode looks at aiming to see what we can do with Wolves' remaining fixtures going into the World Cup because there are some pretty intriguing ones coming up next. Wolves, just like Southampton, had to spend a couple of game weeks into the new season shedding players that did not fit into their system after giving them benefit of the doubt. Then Donker and Gibbs White left for different teams, while at the same time they spent the summer clearing out Deadwood such as Marsal and such. So this season featured a new look in centre-back, central midfield and even out wide where Neto coming back from injury is basically like signing a new player. The unfortunate thing here is that Wolves' number 9 position seems to be plagued by injuries with Raul getting injured pretty frequently, Huang being ineffective, new signing Sasha injured within the first 45 minutes and now we're relying on Diego Costa as our first choice striker. At the moment though, we're playing Podence up front and that really brings out the best of the attacking midfielders which we will talk about soon. So let's get down to business and look at the Wolves games that occurred between Game Week 3 and Game Week 8 because Game Weeks 1 and 2 still had Morgan Gibbs White operating as the number 10. So when Wolves started playing 4-3-3, number 1, trying to fit Matthias Nunes into the side is a blessing because he is so adaptable. He can play deep central midfield, he can be attacking midfield, he can play on either flank. He is so flexible that he allows Bruno Large to transform his attacking areas from game to game. Against Man City and Spurs, big teams in particular, Nunes pushed all the way up and he tried to mark the likes of Cancelo and um, Spurs' other fullback. I think it was Perisic at the time, yes. While... Against Southampton, Bournemouth and Newcastle, he operated in a deeper central midfield role in order to help Wolves dominate the ball. Crucially, it allowed the front three of Wolves to remain stable despite rotating number nines. And we saw Guedes constantly operating on the left, while Neto operated on the right. And these two wingers can also choose to play extremely wide on the touchline or they can drift in to be a two-striker system depending on where Podence plays. Now, I understand that Wolves have not scored a lot. They've not created that many big chances themselves, honestly. So really, the key here is about where Podence plays. Everything good has come out of Wolves so far has depended on where Podence plays because no matter who the number nine is, no matter who plays in central midfield, no matter who plays in the fullback position, because Semedo has rotated in a couple of times. Podence moves out of his number 10 or right wing or number 9 position in order to facilitate play. Not in terms of overloads, but just in terms of providing a different 
angle of passing, a different outlet for the central midfielders to find space and such. So for FPL purposes, it we can definitely admit that the narrative holds true. Wolves players cannot finish because as much as their build-up play and their pressing triggers have been executed so smoothly, what happens during games is that Wolves just simply choose the inefficient option of creating chances. Unless we win the ball off a central midfielder or a central defender directly, we've really failed to generate big chances. So Wolves technically right now are most effective as a counter-pressing team. So let it sink in for a bit because you got to ask yourself who is the likeliest to dispossess an opposing midfielder. At the moment, it's difficult to say, but I think the candidates will start to look rather obvious if you look at their past matches. Counter-pressing aside, we also have to acknowledge that Goedes is attempting to make use of his left-wing position now cemented, while Podens will continue to sparkle sporadically. He will continue to pop up in positions we do not expect, sometimes playing as the number nine to link up with Guedes or Neto randomly. And honestly, Podens as an FPL player really shines when he has a central midfielder that bursts forward from midfield or even a fullback that bursts into the left half space. So we've not seen that since Fulham in game week two, unfortunately. So I'm not really going to talk about Podens' FPL potential, especially since he is still technically a minute's risk as a number nine. Gems. Here we go. The superstar in this side moving forward in this new look Bruno Lage team is not Gonzalo Guedes. It is not Pedro Neto. It is their super flexible, adaptable midfielder, best midfielder in the world as quoted by Pep Guardiola, Mateos Nunes. At 5.0 million, we certainly we should exercise common sense here by not investing him as soon as they play West Ham and Chelsea up next. But there is a small stretch between game weeks 11 to 15 where they play Forest, Palace, Leicester, Brentford and Brighton. So if you're looking for a risk-free fifth midfielder and you cannot stand the sight of Leon Bailey, then Mateus Nunes is definitely one to look out for. At least put him on the watch list for now. I say this because number one, the home game against Forest is definitely one where Wolves can take advantage of the central midfielder space that Morgan, Morgan Gibbs-White usually occupies. That is exactly Mateus Nunes' territory and who knows, maybe he could even dispossess aging, sorry, defunct centre-back Scott McKenna in that left centre-back role. We can continue to identify weaknesses in their upcoming opponents with Palace's central midfielders not the most ball-possessive type. Leicester are up next and we've seen Spurs recently dispossess Wilfred Ndidi. So this is all set up for Mateos Nunes to take advantage, break and create chances for his teammates or even better perhaps for himself. His assist against Southampton was certainly no fluke because it is that exact pattern 
win the ball, burst down the right side beyond the back line, square it for a teammate. And that is exactly what it says on the tin for Mateus Nunes. Breaking through Wolves' defence seemed so easy as Man City showed last weekend, but honestly, that Man City game aside, it was difficult to pinpoint periods across the last six game weeks where Wolves were especially fragile. The stretch of Spurs, Newcastle, Bournemouth and Southampton saw these teams barely dominate Wolves in terms of big chances, and I think only Newcastle truly dominated Wolves and this was after Wolves took a 1-0 lead. Having said that, it's not to say that Wolves are perfect. Wolves basically have a plan to win games. And the idea here is that Wolves choose specific areas of the pitch to deploy aggressive tackling. Against Spurs, they did it against the fullbacks. With City, they tried doing it with the fullbacks and Jack Grealish, while against lesser sides like Newcastle, Bournemouth and Southampton, they tried to dominate central midfield. Now, speaking potentially from the perspective of a West Ham purchaser, we are really trying to figure out, number one, how Wolves will press West Ham and Chelsea down. And then number two, who is likely to bypass this press and take advantage. Should Wolves attempt to press Rice and Suchek down, the onus here is on Pablo Fornals to break through this defence as mentioned in the podcast episode yesterday. Now, Chelsea is slightly less straightforward because we've yet to see Graham Potter's Chelsea in the Premier League. But since Chelsea are considered a quote-unquote big team, we can at least assume that Wolves will focus their pressure on the left side where Mount and Harvards usually operates. It goes without saying that if Wolves are going to press down the zones of Mount Kai and Sterling, we are looking to invest in Chelsea's right side, who will likely face up against Enuri without the defensive help of Gonzalo Guedes. At this stage, it just means that if you're on a wild card now, Reese James is extremely useful to own against Wolves. I'm going to end this episode with a personal opinion on how Wolves are going to behave moving forward simply because we've got so many options as the number 9 now. We have no idea whether Raul is going to return from injury, whether Podence will play the number 9 moving forward or whether we're going to shove Shuhan Diego Costa into the starting side once he is fit. Honestly, Diego Costa starting will scream aerial headers and that we do not have that many crosses of the ball from midfield so if Diego Costa does start then we're likely to see the likes of Enuri and Johnny and maybe even Semedo charge up the field to put in cross after cross but as it stands it doesn't look like Podence has done anything wrong to lose his spot so if Guedes, Neto and Podence continue to play up front, it really is for the best of the rest of the team so that Costa perhaps can make his cameo as as an aerial target in the second half. This is FPL Teacher speaking. Looking at team number 5, Aston Villa with a combined ownership of 17%, surprisingly, up next.